Steve Dale's Other World on WGN. I like to do this periodically where I have a couple of aldermen in studio. I don't know. Brian Hopkins, are you now from the second ward considered the second or third or fourth senior alderman? You might be right up in there somewhere. Yeah, I moved up on the list a lot <laughs> yes. quicker than I anticipated. Uh, so, yes, uh, we are marching towards uh, AARP membership, uh, <laughs> breathtaking pace. But, yeah, we had significant turnover in the city council. Uh, yep. Alderman Burnett, my good friend now, yes. is uh, the number one He's senior alderman. Mayor. He is the vice mayor. Yeah, so yeah. Uh, I'm not quite at his level yet, but uh, I'm definitely in the uh, upper half of seniority now. Well, there was word that you were going to run for mayor. In fact, are you happy you did not? I am happy I did not. I made the right choice for my family. Uh, and now, you know, working with this new administration, uh, Mayor Johnson uh, has put me in the committee chairman position for the Public Safety Committee, uh, which public safety is one of the top issues I wanted to affect if I were mayor. So yeah. uh, even though I chose to take a pass on that particular race, um, I wind up in the position of at least having uh, some semblance of influence over the, the number one issue uh, on the minds of all Chicagoans right now, which is safety in our community. Indeed. Six people have died. More than 14 people have been shot due to gun violence since Friday night. That's according to the Chicago Police Department. The shootings took place all these different neighborhoods, not just one place around the city. Police responded to a person being shot in Little Village around one twenty-five a.m., and that was the most recent one. Uh, I don't know. Is crime up or down? I've read data going both ways. Well, you know, one of the things that Mayor Lightfoot was harshly criticized, and I would uh, say deservedly so, uh, she kept trying to sell the message, crime is down. You know, make it a simplistic statement. Even before she got involved in her unsuccessful re-election campaign, she was trying to, to convince people, nothing to see here, move along, crime is down. And she'd get called out on it, so she would use statistics to try and back up her argument. And can we believe the police statistics? Because well, you you can believe the point, police statistics. It's it's that old saying about you know a liar's figure, right? You can take crime statistics and use the truthful numbers to make an untruthful point, and that's what she was trying to do unsuccessfully to to compare certain periods of time uh, when crime was when. It temporarily spiked and then said, well, compared to that time, crime is down today. So it really speaks to your motivation. If your motivation is to try and convince people that we don't have a problem, you're going to be called out for that no matter how reliable the data that you use. You're, you're using that data for a purpose that people are just never going to accept. We have a problem with crime today. We know this. We don't need to look at the data to know this. We know it because we walk out in the streets and we see it with our eyes. We hear it with our ears. So we have a problem and we have to seek solutions. um, And that doesn't involve manipulating data. All right. Uh, Alderman uh, Byron Cicho Lopez is in the studio right now as well. We're talking about crime. I'm going to throw you right into it. Uh, What do you think? Is it up or down? And are, are we moving in the right direction? Well, I, I think uh, certainly moving in the right direction where at least we are able to talk. Uh, I think that we have uh, chairs of committees that are committed to m- bring different people together. I'm, I'm glad that Alderman Hopkins in particular is leading the Public Safety Committee. Mm-hmm. Um, so the first step, I think, as, as, as leaders in the city is uh, to lead by example. I mean, it was really shameful what we saw for four years where we could not even have simple conversations. Okay, so you guys are in agreement that... Now we can have those conversations. But the bottom line is people have to feel safe and crime has to go down. Uh, there are some numbers. They're all over the place. It's, so it depends on which numbers you read and what you look at. The numbers don't matter in a way if it's still happening 
way beyond what people feel comfortable with, you know. Uh, carjackings are still happening. I read the crime rate uh, just this past weekend in Chicago, the murder rate and the shootings. It's crazy, you know. So what can we do next to make a difference? One thing that we need to respond to is the changing nature of criminal activity, right? You talk about carjacking. Cars used to be stolen from parking lots and parking garages. That was the primary means of which car theft was reported. Now it's the opposite. Now cars are stolen at gunpoint while the car owner is standing there with keys in hand usually. Uh, And those vehicles are not stolen uh, for the value of the vehicle. They're stolen to be used as a tool in other crimes, committing other crimes. So right. that's a, a relatively recent shift in just this one area of criminal activity, the, the theft of cars. And we haven't really responded, in my opinion, uh, tactically and strategically. We haven't changed the way we police that particular area. And we haven't changed the way we try to solve those crimes or even prevent those crimes. We now have armed robbery sprees that are happening almost on a daily basis or nightly basis all over the city uh, all over the city and we don't know until the spree is over we look at it in hindsight and we say well that particular crime spree had eight armed robberies in six hours well if we know it after the fact we need to find a way to determine it while it's still in progress and have some hope that we could possibly interrupt it we currently don't have that and there's a glaring need to change the way uh, that we approach that particular crime. Okay, so what do we do from here, Alderman Lopez? I mean, clearly what you say is true. The crime is still happening, but that's the problem. Well, I think we we got to look in the context. Closing 50 schools in the poorest areas of the city of Chicago, closing half of the mental health clinics, the little investment that has gone. I mean, last year, half of our public school, uh, public uh, pools across the city were closed in the middle of the summer in the poorest areas of the city of Chicago. So I think that we need to invest in or in making sure. In the carjackings, I, I understand and I, and I agree with Alderman Hopkins. We got to look at the data. We look at a lot, like the majority uh, uh, of the time where we have carjackings has been minors. And again, if you look at the correlation between this investment in our schools, in programming, not only in our schools, but also in our park districts. So I do think that's why the coordination is so critical. We got to make sure that our agencies, the park district, CPS, all these agencies are working closely with us. We know that between five to 6,000 kids right now in CPS that are imminent risk of being the next, the next victim or perpetrator of, of a violent uh, incident. So I think that there's a lot that we can look into this, uh, but it has to start by investing. Investing and uh, coordinating that strategic investment I think is critical to prevent as well as really reduce uh, what we see in the city of Chicago. I think we've seen for 40 years, you know, neoliberalism and all sorts of ways when we, uh, and I, look, I agree with Alderman Hawkins, like, look at what works. What hasn't worked is privatizing parking meters. You know, what hasn't yeah. worked is to give $2.3 billion to developers that later cannot even fulfill their own commitments. So I do gotta, I think that we got to look at where our resources are going. And I think that we have good leadership in the city of Chicago with the willingness to make sure it goes to everywhere in the city. But when uh, minors, I want to ask a follow-up question. So when minors commit these crimes, and they're crimes, why are not at some point the parents held not held responsible for it, which they're not? Well, if I could, if I could add, I think that the the burden that is putting in a lot of our families, you know, especially in the pandemic, we have a, approximately eight thousand people who died during the pandemic. Uh, many of them are. Uh, Workers, essential workers. We have 
you know, now when we used to have family income, now we have one, this, you know, one, one income in the family. We also add to that, you know, the own violence that has really affected our communities. I mean, if you look at the, the, um, you know, an average of 800 per year under the Life Food Administration, we see that our communities are being victims of all this violence. Um, I think that for us is supporting, making sure that we have to, we talk about a universal, universal childcare so families can spend more time at home. We got to also make sure that we have after school programming so that our kids have a place, safe place to stay while parents can come back, you know, and safely make sure that our kids are, you know, taken care of from, you know, K to 12. I do think now there's a great thing to see the initiative of making um, our community colleges uh, uh, free so we have more opportunities. We need to invest in the trades. There's so many opportunities right now in construction, how we do local hiring, how we invest and prioritize investment in the city of Chicago as other municipalities do. I want to talk about the American Islamic College, though. What? Because that's where some of the migrants are going, up to 500 right down the street from where I live, actually. And the complaints in this neighborhood might actually surprise even the both of you. I also want to talk about whether Taylor Swift has done more for the city of Chicago than NASCAR. We will do that when we come back on WGN. Steve Dale back with you on WGN from the 2nd Ward, Alderman Brian Hopkins. From the 25th Ward, Alderman Byron Cicho Lopez. Right down the street from me, actually, at uh, what is the former American Islamic College. A huge old building. Like 500 migrants are going there. And the complaint from our community, from our neighborhood, 46th Ward, is that we wish we knew about it. We wish we could help more. Tell us what we can do. We want to do more. And you're not telling us that, for example, we want to teach English as a second language. Here's a retired person who taught English to people as a second. Here's another retired person who could help people sew or something. All of these people want to volunteer to help, and they're not getting information. That is the complaint from our neighborhood, which is, I think, different from what other neighborhoods are expressing. Uh, Alderman Lopez, I'll let you comment first. Yeah, thank you. And I think this is uh, this is a departure from the previous uh, approach, where people really wouldn't even heard until the the uh, facility will be already ready to use. Um, I I am really proud of the 46 ward residents who showed up. Indeed, you know, uh, asking of how we can help. You know, I think we all see the dire situation in, in police districts and airports and so forth. So you're aware of what I'm talking Absolutely. about. Absolutely. And but I think it's good that we're fostering these conversations because indeed, you know, we do need to coordinate efforts and resources. We we haven't forgotten about the many Chicagoans who are also on house, right? 60,000 plus residents. And we also, you know, continue to see, you know, minors, right, who are um, in imminent risk of being in, in, in these conditions that are inhumane. So I think that the 46th Ward, I think, can show us that how can we actually start working together, bringing some resources from the community, coordinate with city authorities, but also hold federal authorities accountable, making sure, in fact, with, with Mary Johnson, I think we will we'll be scheduling a meeting with all the consulates across the you know that we have here in the city of Chicago across Latin America, so we can st- understand, like Alderman Hopkins mentioned, where the issue is originating, what we're learning from 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 uh, these huge humanitarian crises, and how we can coordinate efforts here in Sanctuary City. Because, uh, as you said, people want to help. We gotta coordinate efforts. It really damaged and really wasted values and precious time not having a plan during the life of administration. So we're inheriting a big problem. But I'm really proud of how residents are responding. We're engaging. It was good to see that now people are informed and now we can work together. And there's a huge old building that nobody's using. It makes perfect sense to me. 
Yeah, the city's response right now is, I would argue, marginally better than it was under the Lightfoot administration. Ah, but you which, used the word marginal. Well, because we're nowhere near yeah. at, a, at a place we should be. We have right now a population of somewhere between 10,000 and 15,000 migrants in the city of Chicago. What's taking so to, darn to, long? To, to, to my knowledge, none of them have been put into a stable housing situation. So yet. what's we're taking still, so it's simply a matter of cost and resources. Mm-hmm. You know, this was a problem we were prepared for. Mm-hmm. We had to approach it first from an a immediate humana- humanitarian crisis mm-hmm. uh, to find some sort of temporary situation, as imperfect as the lobby of a police station may be, at least at shelter, right? Mm-hmm. But this was never meant to last. It was never meant to drag on indefinitely. And frankly, this is unsustainable. Mm-hmm. We're struggling right now with our best effort, the city in partnership with all the social service agencies and the volunteers that you mentioned, Stephen, mm-hmm. all stepped up to the plate and we're barely keeping it together. Mm-hmm. Can you imagine what would happen if we get another wave of 10,000 in the next month? It would, it would break the system. Uh, we can't have this. This is unsustainable. And now you've got the state under uh, Governor Pritzker, who I know didn't really want to do this, but he's announced that they're pulling back from the health care that they were providing for these migrants. So what's going to happen when they all lose access to state-funded health care and they start getting sick? They're going to show up in emergency departments and overwhelm the system that way. This is unsustainable, and we need to solve it immediately because if we don't, it's only going to spiral down into chaos. So so I, I want to ask you this question about the same thing, about those migrants. Uh, and it was on the tip of my tongue, and honestly, I forgot what it was. So let me go on to the next thing. Don't you hate when that happens? You're shaking your head yes. We can always hit the rewind button. <laughs> this is radio. <laughs> Unfortunately, it's live radio, and I can't think. It was a good question. I promise you that. <sighs> I hate when that happens. All right. So I have another question, completely different question for both of you. A shovel. Do you have one? Are all 50 aldermen going to be walking up and down the street shoveling sidewalks? I mean, is this a realistic expectation? So I'm talking about, and I understand the disability community's need, that's probably the right word, to have the sidewalk shoveled. But the city can't even seem to dump the trash cans on the corners. So, because I see them overfilled all the time, that seems to be an easy thing to do. So, this isn't so. What, what do you guys each think of the idea that this winter all the streets, and I know it's going to be a, uh, what, a model program or a pilot program first? What do you think, Alderman Lopez? Well, I think it is good that we start thinking uh, how we can help those vulnerable residents. You know, I mean, at least for us in the winter time, seniors and, and, and people with disabilities have a really difficult time. Yes, and and with the weather, uh, you know, changing with climate change and the extreme weather that we that we have, I think it's important that we start looking at what other municipalities are doing and look at best practice. I think that the pilot is a good way to start. We, you know, in the twenty fifth world, we do shovel. We we get a good group of volunteers, but you know, it will be good to have a little bit more. More of uh, you know support and you know and best practices. So I welcome the pilot. I do think it's good to see what other municipalities are doing, and you know never forget about the most vulnerable seniors and people with disabilities that have a, a really have a difficult time. And I think it's worth looking into this. Alderman Hopkins. When I first got elected, uh, the second ward was newly created back in 2014, and 
our first major snow event, my office was inundated with complaints about unshoveled sidewalks. So we decided we were really going to focus on that. And we made a targeted effort to reach out to businesses, residential buildings, any structure that was responsible for plowing sidewalks and just had one-on-one conversations, told them why they had to do it. And then we followed up with citations and tickets if they didn't. It worked. Hmm. So we were able to, I I don't want to say solve the problem because it's not 100%. You know, every major snowfall, you would still get complaints. There were still people who would forget or just simply wouldn't do it. Um, But we made real progress in getting people to be responsible for their own sidewalk in front of their structure. I still maintain that's a better effort than trying to take this on as a city. If we're promising people that we're going to be able to shovel every square inch of every sidewalk in the entire city of Chicago whenever there's two inches of snow, we simply will not be able to keep that promise. And I don't think it's realistic to tell people we can. So many texts here. I wish I could keep up. But this one text says, the migrants ought to shovel snow. I don't know if that's tongue-in-cheek. I don't know if they're being sarcastic. But that question I forgot is just this. Why the heck, and I would use a different word other than heck if I could, why are we not allowing the migrants who want to work, not necessarily shoveling sidewalks, that's okay too, but why don't we let them work? I know this is a federal issue. Is there anything, though, either one of you could do to make a difference there? Well, I think there was a resolution this in the city council this last uh, um, council meeting calling precisely for that, that, you know, during the... Um, but will um, it go anywhere? It doesn't mean anything because it is a federal issue. Well, we have to figure it out. And I yeah. think that we have to figure out immigration, uh, you know, comprehensively, right? I think that is long overdue. Uh, we've seen, you know, the, you know, how we treat um, Ukrainian refugees is going to be the same way we treat every refugee. So I do think that that double standard, right, is what has. What are you, you know, referring to? Well, you know, Ukrainian refugees, when they come, when, when they arrive, of course, fleeing violence, fleeing war. And I think every asylum seeker, uh, that looks for, for shelter should be received with the same, under the same conditions. So they were protective status. So they could, they could work. Precisely the same thing. I think that the, uh, we have also 11 million people who are still waiting for immigration reform. So I think it's, I don't want to oversimplify an issue that's more complex than that. But I do think that asylum seekers should be treated you know, equally. I do think that we have a huge issue with immigration reform that must be addressed, you know, and I think it should be addressed because it's a humanitarian crisis happening at the same time. And we ask also from the federal government about international policies that are worsening some of these conditions so that we work with cooperation and working together so that we don't have, you know, thousands of people coming, as, as um, uh, Alderman Hopkins mentioned. Yeah. This requires to think globally as we act locally. All right. So let me ask you a question about NASCAR. Uh, they say $113 million, uh, financial shot for the city, uh, $335 million from, uh, for example, the impact of Lollapalooza last year. Taylor Swift even made more money. Are you a Swifty? Uh, for the city of Chicago, you look like a Swifty. Well, from, yeah, from the You're city's bottom paid, line perspective, okay. uh, I'm a big Taylor Swift fan after what she did for our city. Uh, Taylor's welcome here. She can uh, she can take up residency in Chicago the way Celine Dion did in Las Vegas and have a show and night for the next few years. That, I think that'd be great. It. Is this an official invite? It is. It's an official invite. Taylor's welcome back anytime. She filled the hotels. Uh, and actually, she did sell more tickets than NASCAR. That's a fact. Her <laughs> yes. shows were sold out. NASCAR didn't even sell out their uh, their races. So uh, arguably, we did make more money 
um, based on the impact of Taylor Swift concerts uh, without anywhere near the inconvenience. We did a, did have traffic jams around Soldier Field. So be it. You know, you get that every major event there. But um, that's a good example of how, uh, you know, a, a special event like that can generate revenue for the city more than cover the cost of mm. police services and the ancillary so services. So yes or no, I'm out of time. Yes or no from both of you. Uh, should Alderman Hopkins NASCAR come back next year? We have commissioned an economic impact study. We should get it in the next month, and we'll base our decision on what the numbers tell us. And Alderman Lopez? I, I second Alderman Hopkins. Actually, right. it's in his words, so. Okay. <laughs> That's the shortest answer I've ever had from an alderman. Yeah. Drop the checkered flag. <laughs> Thank you both very much for joining us. Northwestern Medicine Newsroom next as we head to 3 o'clock, then Karen Conti.